0: every teaching of the rapture that I've heard has talked about it as a secret rapture. It happens right. secretly. We're here. People disappear. Pe- yeah, exactly. Yep. They're and their clothes are left uh-huh. or whatever and taken up to heaven. Here we have the Lord coming uh, with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet. Mm-hmm. This is not a secret. This is something that everybody is right. going to hear. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey Dave, I've been thinking recently about um, burdens and loads. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Burdens and loads. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. Two sentences later, he says in verse five, each will have to bear his own load. Okay. So bear one another's burdens, Uh but everyone has to bear their own. Carry their own load. Carry their own load. Uh So apparently what he's saying is that there is some amount called a load that you need to carry on your own. Mm -hmm. But there's another amount that's a burden that you cannot carry on your own, and mm. we need help with. Okay. So uh, I think God gives each of us um, loads, and he expects us to carry them on our own. Mm-hmm. And he also gives some people, and all of us at different times, burdens that we can't do together. Uh, when I was uh, a seminary student at Dallas Seminary before I was uh, married, I was um, in the, living in the dorm there. And there was a guy on the floor with me and we had an 8 a.m. class at the same time, the same class. And I remember he came to me one time and he said, I have trouble waking up. Would you um, wake me up so that I can get to class on time? You're waking up anyway. You're going to be up. And I said, wait, what? No, I'm not your mother. Uh, Uh Right. Right. If you have trouble getting up on time, you can move back home and your mom can change your diapers. That's not a burden. That's a load. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there are some things that people have on them that is way too much for anyone to carry Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to carry for, that we're supposed to do together. You know, things that, what are some of those things that you know of that, that nobody can just carry on their own? Oh, you know, like a, a family
1: conflict that is unresolvable and just deeply painful.
0: Yeah, Totally. Yeah. yeah, or or even a conflict that results in like a divorce or something, mm-hmm. or a, a crippling illness or something that mm-hmm. you know the uh, the death of a child or just like uh, and and those things God says we have to the direction from the apostle Paul and the direction to us Christians is we have to carry each other's burdens we have to come and help people to mm-hmm. do that. And when it comes to uh, the burdens and loads, I see four errors that people make, Mm -hmm. and most people fall into one of these categories, and they say one of these four things that are not good. Number one, I have nothing but burdens. Okay. Second, I have nothing but loads. Uh Uh-huh. Third, you have nothing but burdens. And fourth... You have nothing but loads. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the people who think, I have nothing but burdens, they ask for help with everything. Yeah, Everything in my life is a burden. And so I'm... Con- Can't take responsibility There's, for their load. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so these are folks, if they're Christian, they tend to go from church to church to church. They go to a new church and they ask for help from everybody. Um, right? So I've got a hangnail. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to call for the elders of the church to anoint me with oil, and you know, uh, so that to, to help me get over this situation. Yeah, um, in that in that situation, those are folks you, you know, folks like this. I do, and they
1: have a, a long wake of destruction behind mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. broken relationships with people who. Gravitated to them, maybe wanted to help them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then they just felt used. Um, the person won't take responsibility. It's always someone else's fault. Totally. Everything is an emotional,
0: irrational roller coaster. It's, yeah, it's a mess. It's really bad. So you've met people like this. I've met people like this. It's awful. These people have such a high estimation of themselves. They feel like the whole world revolves around them, everyone in their yeah. life is there only to serve them like everyone else should drop their own loads to come and help you with yours. Right. It's awful. Right. These folks are terrible. They burn everybody else out and then they go on to the next community wherever it is. Right. So that's people who say, I have nothing but burdens. There's other people who think and, and say, I have nothing but loads. Yeah, I have nothing but loads which means that you're like a mule and you can carry absolutely everything. Yeah. You never ask for help. Nothing is ever a bother for you. I remember when I was an assistant pastor in Miami, we had a church, um, in my church, there was this lady that uh, was faithful in church, but she didn't, it was, this was a large church. Yeah. But she wasn't there for a few weeks, several weeks in a row. And sometime later she came back and she, I was in a conversation with her and I said, um, so what have you been up to? What's been going on? She said, well, um, I had surgery, I had several organs removed. And I said, well, why didn't you call? Like, right. uh, I would be happy to come and visit you and to help you. Right. you she said, yeah, I've been in rehab. I was home and on bed rest and I had to hire people to come. And yeah, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> That's not a load. That's a burden. Yeah. And the people of, of God are, want to help you. Your brothers and sisters are here to help right. you. That's someone who says, I have nothing but loads. Yeah, and that there's an arrogance there. Exactly. This yeah. is almost my exact point. Yeah. It is incredibly selfish and arrogant.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. So the the, the idea that you are an island, that you are not yeah. uh, penetrable, that you you don't. S- you don't struggle or suffer. I get it in mm-hmm. far, in terms of not complaining. I get that. I mean, if I had to pick between these two people, I would pick the latter here, yeah. because they don't complain. They right. don't they don't cast uh, useless loads on other people as mm-hmm. burdens. Yeah. yeah, but you are not anything other than human. That's right. And That's right. you do need help at times. That's right. And you do need to rely upon community, and yep. that is okay. Not just okay, it is necessary. Yeah. And people, in a way, you're stealing people's blessing, totally. to serve you, to help you, to be a friend to you. yes, to, to, to be shown as, as in need. There's an arrogance that says, I will never be shown as weak. Yes. I will never let anyone think that I need help or that I'm uh, you, know, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. No, uh, you are failing to see humanity and our connectedness in christ totally
0: yeah and uh, to be quite honest this is yeah and i'm sure you know this this is me this is Hmm. this is i i am the person who says i have nothing but loads and there is an arrogance that says i'm not like those immature christians that need to ask for help with everything Hmm. and i'm i'm a lot better than that right i used to be immature and i used to need help but now i don't need help anymore (laughs) right (laughs) right uh okay that, that's definitely not me. Although I think that I've learned
1: to complain a lot less. Mm. Okay. So I, I think that's progress.
0: Yeah. 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 Anyway, so there's so uh, that's people who say that I have nothing but burdens, and then people who say I have nothing but loads. The third um, error is people who say you have nothing but burdens. Mm-hmm. So that is when, uh, and these people love to find the, the uh, people who say I have nothing but burdens. When somebody says I have a hangnail. Yeah. Right and this is the person who will say i will help you carry this burden yeah let me let me validate yeah your the the terrible things that have happened to you yeah and therefore incite your self pity totally, self-pity. totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so this is this is the um, this is co- is called codependency yeah right mm-hmm. and so the, these two people find each other so this is the person with the messiah complex yeah. this is the person who says i'm going to be the savior for everyone right you have a problem I can fix it. Yeah, I can fix it. Yeah, and I will come and be your savior. I will be your rescuer. I will carry these burdens for you. That's right. You can't do it yourself. That's right. You're you're a poor, helpless fool. That's right. I can do this for you, and you can see then the arrogance of this person. Yes, who says yes. I am here to help, and this validates my value. This, you know, I'm awesome. And I want you to be completely dependent upon me Mm -hmm. so that you can't live without me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And to keep people subservient that way. Uh Incredibly arrogant. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that's that's the third one. And the last one is you have nothing but loads. Mm -hmm. That is, this is the person... Who refuses to carry other people 's burdens uh-huh. when people have legitimate burdens right when they are legitimately life has gotten them down and they need some help whether it 's yeah. circumstantial like for a few months or a few years or this is a lifelong thing like a like a handicapped person who is yeah. severely handicapped and definitely needs uh, help. This is a person who says, sorry, you're on your own.
1: Buck up. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Everyone struggles. Everyone exactly. suffers. Exactly. You need to do this. You need to take responsibility. It's exactly. not my burden. Yes. It's interesting. The,
0: these last two categories sound like liberals and conservatives. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and so this is a person who says, I don't want to get involved in other people's lives. They can take care. I'm too busy. Right. And are, sometimes people are too busy, but if you're always too busy, uh, that's not good. Right. Something's, something's <laughs> right? wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's too messy. I don't want to help people because then, you know, that may uh, make me late for dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's mm. also, of course, incredibly arrogant. Yeah. And selfish. As if my uh, problems um, are more important than anybody else's and no one needs me. Um, and I, I'm, God has not called me to, so these are the four errors. I have nothing but burdens. I have nothing but loads. You have nothing but burdens and you have nothing but loads. I, I think that everybody falls into at least one of these categories in terms of our tendencies to sure sin. Sure. And, um, the problem is that when, uh, we look at people in kind of the opposite problem and say, Th- those people have a problem, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And there's always people, you can see the opposites of it, right? Mm-hmm. People who get over involved or under involved, people who uh, overly disclose their needs or under disclose their needs. Right. So there's always someone to look at the opposite and say, um, I would never do that. Right. Therefore, I'm good. Yeah, I do it better. Yeah. But we're all broken. Uh-huh. We're all needy and we all need each other and we need to we are called by God to carry each other's burdens. That is not optional. Right. And we're called by God to carry our own Yeah. Loads. to take responsibility for yes. yourself. Yes. You have a lot to do with what's going
1: on in your life. And there's a lot that you can do about it. Yes. Um, but you're not an Island. You're not alone. Um, you know, this is, this is great for, for this podcast where we're trying to nuance and we're trying to bridge people and try to explain the extremes as wrong. And, uh, that's all very helpful. Um, I'm not sure the, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know you're not doing this, but I wouldn't like make a, a big point about the words burden and load. Particularly, I think it's helpful for this conversation. Sure, um, when Jesus says, "You know, my burden is light, my yoke is easy."
0: Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So that so the burden. So I'm only using that language that Paul uses In Galatians here. 6 to make a points. In Galatians points. 6. But just yeah. like burden in English can mean various things, yeah, load yeah. can mean various things. That's fine. Yeah. So that, that, that doesn't mean that a burden, every time the word burden is found in the Bible doesn't mean that this is something that cannot be carried by one person. It Correct. doesn't mean that load, Correct. every time it's used in the Bible, it's, these are not technical words. Right. But clearly, just, I mean, two sentences apart, literally two sentences apart. Right. Paul says almost opposite things. Yeah. Everyone needs to bear each other's burdens, but carry each other's loads. So you're right. I'm, these are not technical words, but obviously he's meaning something. So every time I'm using burden and load, I'm using the way that he's using it just in Galatians right. 6. And we've got to be careful not to import that meaning into other parts of Scripture. Which a lot of people do, which is why I Fair brought enough. it up. Yeah. I'm so glad you yeah. brought it up. And that's really, really good. Yeah. 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 yeah that's good. That's good stuff thanks for bringing that absolutely that 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 distinction has been super helpful to me in mm-hmm. lots and lots of ways yeah um so what do you do when you're not sure if you have a burden or a load
1: yeah i mean i i would say uh get some advice from from your trusted uh there you, you know people of fellowship the community yeah to say hey what uh this is what's going on what do you think
0: yeah and i think that we should all expect that we have a skewed perspective about what is a burden and what is a load. Mm -hmm. And in some sense that everyone else has a, has a skewed perspective about what is a burden and what is a load. So we got to get advice because I I need to assume that I am wrong in making the distinction between burdens and loads in my own life and in the life of others. And, but in the community, the Holy spirit will work through us
1: together. Very much believe. And, and I could quote Tim Keller as support, that that part, a big part of our spiritual journey is just knowing yourself. Yes. Knowing your tendencies, knowing where you err, you know, what What are your strengths and your weaknesses in, yeah. in the, the breakdown in your thinking? Yes. And so, that, you know, if I have a tendency to be, like you said, you know, you have a tendency to be the, the person who says, I only have loads. That's right. That's my knowing tendency. Knowing that is very useful information. Yeah. Because then you can identify and repent of it. Totally. And you can say, I don't feel like asking for help but this seems to be a legitimate issue that I need to,
0: I need to take that step of faith, and I need to do this. That's I need to right. humble myself and do this. I will say that uh, as much as I appreciate Tim Keller, you're getting support for knowing yourself is an important part of spiritual growth. Goes back much further than Tim Keller oh, sure. into a much greater uh, person, and that is John Calvin in his uh, sure. Institutes of the Christian Religion. Uh-huh. The very first chapter, the first paragraph, he says, "There's nothing." else, other, nothing else to spiritual growth other than knowledge of self and knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing else. And, and I think that that's exactly, it has taken me a long time to reflect on that and think about mm-hmm. it. If that doesn't make sense to our listeners, think about it and reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is no more to spirituality than those two things. You know, as you're talking, I'm trying to f-
1: think where I fit in that.
0: Yeah. Where do you fit? Okay. Yeah. So cause, yeah, because it's, um, I'm going to push you here.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure I have a real clear uh understanding of myself in this particular way. Okay. When I was younger, there were things that I felt were overwhelming that as I've gotten older I've realized I'm not drowning. I felt like I was drowning, I'm not drowning. Mm-hmm. And um and yet I'm not afraid to ask for help. Um so I don't
0: I don't really know where I felt maybe I've got a good balance on it, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think about you as well in different times in your life, I have seen different errors here, sure um or sure. my estimation of errors in your life, but yeah, it's not um I don't hmm. think I really camp out in one of them
1: i, I guess th- if if i had to if if um as far as how I perceive other people, yeah, I tend to want to see them take more responsibility for themselves. I want them, and that maybe comes from coaching. Uh You know, when when you're being, uh, when a whistle's blown in your ear and you're being threatened and you're told to run and to stop feeling sorry for yourself and to get this done, and you do that, and over time you feel your body respond and your heart rate uh, increases and your lung capacity increases and the strength in your legs increases, and you realize, oh my gosh, we're capable of far more than we realize. Yeah. And what you need is someone driving that into you because naturally you will take the easy path. And that's what a coach is for, right, is to force you into the difficult stuff that, that will make your body hardened and strengthened and able to, to do what it needs to do to compete. And so uh, having learned that lesson, maybe I err on that side to say you're being soft. Yeah. And maybe.
0: But, but what I've just said is true. Yeah. Sure, sure, Pe- sure, sure. People take the easy path. Yes. And that's people who say, uh, there are people who are that way. Yeah. And then there are people who never ask for help. Right. And so, yeah. yeah.
1: I wonder, <laughs> this would be a great experiment. Okay. I wonder of those people who are older in life, yeah. you know, um, if they err on one side or the other, uh-huh. how many of them were athletes? Hmm. That would be an interesting thing. I would like to see a correlation yeah. study done on that. Sure. Um, people who, who had a coach blowing a whistle and telling them they're, they're being babies
0: and suck it up. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And that's my childhood had a lot to do with my dysfunction here for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, I grew up, uh, in a, I was the oldest, um, with my brother and my sister. And so I was from a very young age, I was responsible for them when my Mm -hmm. parents weren't home. And so, yeah, so you didn't take responsibility. And so Okay, so I take responsibility for everything, for everybody, and everything. Yeah, and that's inappropriate. Yeah, but but I come from it honestly. Right, <laughs> that's where it comes from. Sure. So yeah, a lot of this is formed in our childhood, uh, and so someone who has a coach or, or parent who's constantly saying you need to take responsibility for yourself over and over yeah. and again. Oh yeah, yeah. that a huge, or, a huge thing. On the other hand, if you get someone who's who, you know, who's a helicopter parent and like you never right. fail, and I'm gonna pick up for all of your messes and, right. you know, then that has an effect on them as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those things are always, uh, I mean, they move, right? Those, totally. those, yeah, those targets totally. move on they, us. Absolutely. You're not,
0: yeah. yeah, everybody's not just one or the other, but we all have tendencies, sure. I think. And at different times in our lives, there's different, you know, there are people who get overwhelmed for a few months mm-hmm. or for a few years, right? Right. Or for a childhood or, excuse me, if you have a child who has special needs, all of a sudden you don't have the capacity to carry other people's burdens the way they used to. Right. And that can last for a long time.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, as I, as I think about this, for me, there's a clear most annoying person, and that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that everything is always, they're a waif, right? Everything is always a burden. Yes. And everyone needs help. Uh, that sometimes that's true, but th- for the person who is always hurt, and it's always someone else's fault, and it's always the victim. I, man,
0: that one eats my lunch. And that actually helps me to diagnose, or rather, to confirm my mm-hmm. my sense. I'm happy for you to play this out, and especially yeah, yeah. but you saying that, um, my intuition about you, or my observation, I feel more confirmed in that your tendency. Is more to the last one, which is you have nothing but loads. Mm-hmm. The fact that you are most annoyed by the person who says, "I have nothing but burdens," perhaps, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I agree with you, it's not as clear as with lots of other people. Yeah, but I think that that
1: personality tends to um, infringe upon other people more.
0: Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Any sure. of the other three, but yeah. that, there's no question about that. You're yeah. exactly right about that. But not everybody is as annoyed as you are. Perhaps, Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm sure that's true because the person who says, you have nothing but burdens, those people get together and they love each (laughs) other, right? So they're they're not annoyed at all. Yeah. Uh, But the
1: rest of us are annoyed, but some more than others. I think people can be both of those at the same time.
0: Which one? Which Uh, two?
1: I have nothing but burdens and you have nothing but burdens. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Sure. Yep. I can see that. Mm -hmm. That's the person who is... Uh, wrapped up an enormous amount of drama every drama right. in their community right. they're a part of
1: my goodness yes <laughs> uh, to me that's no way to live and and i guess it's true for the 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 other way as well that you can you can be about hey you only have loads and i only have loads that's right yeah
0: that's right that probably runs together as well yes those yeah. can be those are easy to go together yeah yeah well, listeners, um, which, which one category do you fit into? And how are you finding relief and help and moving toward wholeness and goodness?
1: Yeah, I'd like to hear from you. Hey, this is Dave with The Hopper Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Willie and I sure do enjoy this and we hope you're enjoying it too. If you like this podcast, we sure could use some help. It costs money to keep this thing rolling. You can give at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. You can also go on your mobile device and swipe the cover art, and there'll be a a line there that says, Support the Hopper Podcast. We sure could use some help. We appreciate it. Thanks. Willie, I just did um, a sermon on Matthew 24 not long ago.
0: Yeah, you sure did. Good for you. (laughs) Uh, I have preached on Matthew 24. It is not easy. Yes. Yes. Um,
1: and, in there, I made a comment about the rapture, yeah uh being a uh, a doctrine of only a few hundred years, and that 's uh, right that i wasn 't seeing the rapture a
0: few uh maybe hundred and fifty years, something like that, yeah, something
1: yeah. within two
0: hundred years it 's not three hundred
1: no yeah, no um and uh I know that you 've got some some bullets to shoot
0: <laughs> <laughs> some <laughs> bullets the, to shoot on the rapture on the rapture <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, so you know, my point in the sermon was that uh, when you when you look at Matthew twenty four, uh, when it compares it to Noah, uh, the the end of days like Noah, or or what could be referring to seventy A.D. and the Romans coming and destroying yeah. you know, Jerusalem and yeah. Israel, yeah, um, it, it it's the evildoer who is swept away, right? <laughs> who is who is removed? That's right. Yeah, and it's not what uh, this this idea of God's people disappearing from the earth.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's one of the places that people who believe in a rapture, and um, not all Christians do. In fact, like mm-hmm. you say, most Christians do not believe in a rapture, and it's very difficult to find it in Scripture. But one of the places that you can find a kind of secret rapture where the idea that the next event to happen in terms of uh, eschatology end times yeah. is that the Lord is going to come and we not just going to come but people Christians are going to be raptured away and that was right. it's been popularized by um the left behind yes books Tim LaHaye and, has and written movies. many many books about yeah it. yeah, yeah. all kinds of ideas, and some of them are provocative they 're interesting to think about yeah that's right and so um the pa- one of the there 's two main passages in scripture that talk about this one is the one that you preached on from matthew chapter twenty four um Where Jesus teaches, he says, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. That's what you just said. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know the day that your Lord is coming. Yeah. And so the idea is that there's going to be a rapture, and so they've got two people working in the field, two men working in the field. One of them's going to be raptured up into heaven. But yeah, no, following the analogy- That's not the context. It's the opposite. It's that the person who is is taken away is, like in the days of Noah, swept away, as in the flood, Mm -hmm. to destruction. The one who is left is gonna be the one who is blessed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you really have to completely take those out of context right. in order to even hint at the rapture. But even so, this is not at all uh this doesn't say that you're gonna be with Jesus or that you're going to this is the, the history of the continues world. without you. There's you're right. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. like that. Um, The other place that we see uh, the concept of the rapture, uh, some people think it's in Revelation. I have uh, taught Revelation verse by verse many times. It's Mm -hmm. never. There's nothing that even approaches the rapture in the book of Revelation. And the people who teach it don't see it there at all. But the other place is in First Thessalonians yeah. 4. Of course. Right. Yeah. And there, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes, we don't want you to be an uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And by that, he means people who have died. Dead, yeah. Yeah. Um, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, dead. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Mm -hmm. encourage one another with these words. This is the clearest teaching that we have in scripture about this concept of the rapture. The problem is that... Uh, every teaching of the rapture that I've heard has talked about it as a secret rapture. It happens secretly. We're here. People disappear. Yeah, exactly. And their clothes are left Uh or whatever and taken up to heaven. Here we have the Lord coming uh, with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet. Mm -hmm. This is not a secret. This is something that everybody is going to hear. Which,
1: yeah, which takes us back to Matthew 24, that Jesus very clearly communicates that everybody's going to know right. when the end totally arrives. Exactly, there's no secret. There's no secret about it. As lightning flashes in the east, a seen in the west. Right, it's going to be proclaimed. There's going to be a trumpet blast. There's going to be the appearance of angels. Yeah, you know, uh, the scripture talks about the sky being torn. Like, you know, there's going to be. It's going to be dramatic, and yeah. everyone's
0: going to know about it. Yeah, so there's one other thing in this passage that makes it, to me, really clear that this is not talking about a rapture. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, I hate doing this, but you got to have to know the Greek. Uh-huh. Um, and so this is why we have folks go to seminary and read the original languages, and yeah. that's wonderful. But in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4, which I just read, then uh, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, caught up together. So that is... Um, kind of a technical word. It's not yeah. used anywhere in Scripture except for here, uh, but it's used a lot in ancient literature among Greeks. And it is a uh, used quite often in a military context. It's a mm-hmm. military word. And it's when, um, or not exactly military, but close. When a king would go off and conquer a city, or, or in war, um, defending or conquering or whatever, Yeah. when they come back to their city... Then what would happen is uh, there would be news of the victory, hopefully. There's news of the victory. And so as the king comes back with his entourage, um, then the entire city, the capital city, is going to, uh, when he arrives, they they are going to shut down the city. Uh No school, no work, no, we're all, everybody goes out to meet him. And there's a big, massive parade And so they all join him a couple miles away or maybe a mile away. I don't know. If you're late, it's only half a mile away because he's almost there. (laughs) What were you doing? Anyway, everyone goes out, and that's the word, to go out and meet him as he comes back to the city. And so the idea is that the Lord is going to come back to the world victorious, and we are going to meet him in the clouds or meet him in the sky right. as he is coming, descend, you know, descending the way that he ascended, you know, 40 days after his resurrection. So he's coming back and that we're going to meet him in the sky as a way to parade with him on the way back as he's right. coming to earth, the capital city of his kingdom. In the exuberance of the victory. Exactly. Yeah. And so we're not going up into the clouds and then keep going past the clouds into right. heaven. But rather, heaven is coming to earth and and you know wherever Jesus is that 's yeah. you know, and so he we 're going there, and then he 's going to come back and so I, I can understand how someone might be confused by that if they 're just looking at the English, which is why we need folks, some people that we have contact with and understand the original mm-hmm. language, and we would 't get into this confusion yeah this is the best place in Scripture that we have for the rapture, but people who are who, who don't know the original languages or don't have access to someone who does right. can easily get confused here. And I and I feel for them. When I was at Dallas Seminary um, studying, I remember that there was a class there. I did not take the class, but I knew some people who did. Um, one of the semesters when I was there, it was an optional class on the resor- on the rapture. Right. And in that class, they talked about uh, multiple raptures. And so this is yes. where where does this happen? In how do we fit this event in 1, 1 Thessalonians 4 into the events of Revelation? And So then some people say it's going to be before a big tribulation. Some people say it's going to be in right. the middle of a big tribulation. Some people say it's going to be after the big tribulation. And then some people say, well, there's also, this could be referring or, uh, to 144,000 people that are, are separated. And, that, and mm-hmm. that's a whole different issue. And then there's the uh, two witnesses in the book of Revelation that um, uh, John says are two candlesticks. And are two olive trees, and it's obviously symbolic it's obvious to me, but people said, Okay, now that's the rapture, and so then there's right. all these different, and then so you they teach all those raptures, like all those different, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a crazy idea, it's a crazy yeah. idea, it,
1: it gets pretty, pretty involved, yeah, multiple returns of Jesus, multiple raptures, multiple resurrections, right, right, um, and it gets very confusing, and, and I, I don't see a lot of agreement, yeah, um. Well, hey, so this idea of a rapture, also, uh, you know, to me, and this is this is this is just me thinking. Yeah, right? sure. Um, why would we we go up into this in the clouds? Like, where would we actually be able to fly? Yeah. Right. Leave the ground. Yeah. To go up and meet the Lord? I have a, a theory on that. Okay. And the theory is that you know. It, there are other passages that talk about angels appearing. Yes. How terrifying would that be? Oh, yeah. Uh, or like, you know, the heaven's so shaken that the sky is torn. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like some some sort of multi-dimensional manifestation, you know, like, uh, like the Avenger movie or something, you know? Sure, <laughs> like sure, some, sure. Some portal opening or something like that, and yeah. angels appearing. How terrifying. Yeah. Right? That'd be- and it says that they, they go to gather people like sticks to be burned. Mm-hmm. And, but we are like the wheat that is gathered and brought into the barn. Right, right. I think it would be terrifying whether you're a believer or not. Yes. I think so terrifying. And we see those words of terror in Revelation when people say, oh, that the mountains would fall upon me and yes. hide me from the yes, face yes, of yes, him yes. who sits upon the throne and from the Lamb for yeah. the day of his wrath has come and who can endure it. Right. That's a, like they're terrified. They'd rather be buried alive Yeah. to get away from that. Right. right? I think it's it's a way of God's people being uh being uh encouraged yes of being blessed to, to, if we if we fly to meet the lord in the air and we can be part of that that victorious exuberance and celebration and the fear can be removed of whatever craziness is going on uh-huh you know it, just imagine it right it'd be terrifying yeah let me ask you this i'm sure there are people out there listening who don't think this is true at all do you what would you say to them as far as is there an end to this world, to this life, what would you say?
0: So you're you're saying that there are people out there who think that there's no end to this world that just goes on indefinitely. Yeah, like
1: this all sounds fantastical, you know, nuts. Yeah. What would you say to them?
0: Uh, Boy, Uh, I I would have to start with the Bible, I think, because, Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's a couple things. From a normative perspective, I believe in that the Bible is the Word of God and is authoritative. And it tells me that that there's an end, and that's why I believe it. Mm -hmm. From a more existential perspective, I will say, if if there is not going to be some sort of putting right what's wrong and bringing justice to the world, uh, I don't have any hope. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, this world is, has beat me up pretty bad. And I don't know that I could go on if... I, I don't know what it means. I think you have to live mm-hmm. in denial or something. I don't know. Uh, just medicate yourself with mm-hmm. something, you know, that just gives me hits of dopamine every 10 minutes mm-hmm. in order to just keep living. If If I, if I didn't think that there's going to be some end to the injustice mhm yeah yeah hm you know i i um
1: i tend to ask myself well what what else then you know, like wh- wh- what? What do we hear? Yeah. For yeah. what? How do we get sure. here? Sure. There you go. Like, uh, just particles appeared, and then there was a big bang, and like, uh, this is a, a vast, pitiless nothing. Richard Dawkins says. Yeah. Like, and you know, I was thinking about this, and I think about this all the time. Yeah. Um, because we don't, we don't see God. We don't hear His voice speaking to us, right? Yeah. We, we yeah. by faith, receive the words of Scripture, and we have other evidences that that make themselves clear in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. That manifest themselves. But we don't, we don't have uh, like true sensibilities, right? Like yeah, visual right. You know, manifestations of God uh, and that kind of thing. Right. And so uh, we have to wrestle with, with doubt. Sure. Uh, and some of, as I'm wrestling with doubt, I, I just start thinking about how everything is so ordered, how everything is, is created in such a way that we are uh, the, the preeminent species. Um, I was thinking about this the other day at the beach, uh, you know, it's, it's summertime. We took a vacation, we went to the beach and I was sitting there and I was thinking about the size of the waves that as a rule, now there are times when the, the ocean looks like glass and there are no waves and there are times when the waves are big and too dangerous. Yeah. But as a rule, the waves are always the size yeah. for people to go and delight themselves in the ocean, mm-hmm. to ride waves, to play, to splash. You know, to get a, a raft or boogie board. You know, back in the day, we had rafts. We didn't have boogie boards. Yeah. Um, I was telling my kids about that. They couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. oh, you had to blow up a raft and right, right. You know, rub your nipples raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And if a big wave came, you had to throw the raft over the wave while you ducked under it. Yeah, you I could, remember that. You couldn't take it under with
0: you. That's right.
1: Um, yeah, but, you know, the, the waves, the, it just seems like so many things. And you look around, it, it's like a, the benevolence of God, the grace of God, the beauty of a sunset. Yes, there's no evolutionary need for that. No, there's, there's no, no need perfect, for it. But it's it's so true, right? The, the natural beauty and how it moves us. Absolutely. How it how it lifts us to something transcendent. Yes. Um, it, it's amazing when you look at creation, the the order, the beauty, the meaning, our consciences, um, just how it all fits together. And I say, if if this is God, um who has ordered all this and created all this, and he has communicated to his creatures through thousands of years of history. Yeah. He's been speaking words through prophets in various ways, but yeah. in these last days, through his son, Jesus Christ, yep. and his authorized representatives, the apostles. Right. We have these words of Scripture, and he says there's an end, and yet that end is a new beginning.
0: It's a new beginning.
1: Yeah. yeah of of something eternal and more glorious. Yes. Um, then, then, by golly... There's an end, absolutely. But I, I do want to say, I, I want to take the, the, caution of atheist Christopher Hitchens, okay, who says that Christians are, um, their, uh, what's the word, when you, when you're, uh, you're fixated on something, perseverating. You're... Wow, that's a nice word. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's fancy. That's a five dollar word right there. Yeah, yeah. You, that's when, why I have my doctorate. Yeah, when you're fixated on something, you can't let it go. Yeah. Uh, he says Christians are like this about death and about the end. Mm. That that they they're, uh, they're constantly waiting for, hoping for, looking for the end. Yeah. And he's, of course he's talking about the more conservative crowd that's waiting for this rapture. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And, and really trying to find the times and seasons and trying to find the secret information in the Bible that would suggest when this will happen, Yeah, which Jesus very clearly says, nobody knows. Right. Stop trying. The whole emphasis of Matthew 24... Is about longevity, <laughs> right? It's about being, a, it's persevering, right? Yeah. The yeah, parable yeah, of yeah. the ten virgins in twenty-five. The parable of the talents. It's a, it's about perseverance yeah. in your waiting. Yeah. But you live your life as if God were to appear today. Yeah. Like you're going to stand before Him tonight. Yeah. But you got to have the longevity of faith throughout a difficult life. That's the Christian walk. Yeah. It's not about trying to figure out when He's coming. Nobody knows. So stop trying. Right. Right. And so I want to I, I
0: take Christopher Hitchens uh, criticism. I think it's pretty valid. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I think he's, he is uh, that criticism that we that Christians are fixated on the end is of a perverted view of Christianity. Um that is very very common mm-hmm. and so I I yeah he's he's on to something there right. but it's a it's a kind of christianity that is m- melded with a philosophy that says the physical world is bad and the spiritual world is good and so we are just here trying to uh, hold on uh until we can get to the spiritual world mm-hmm. and so and that's why there's a fixation I on the I think that's end. part of it that there's more to it than that, yeah. but that's that is an essential, and it is uh, that is definitely non christian it is definitely not part of true christianity there's nothing in there in the Bible like that, yeah, yeah,
1: well, I think there's just they're just folks who um because the difficulty of life, like you said they they want the end oh they're okay. waiting Fair for enough the end. they Fair want enough. God's appearance, they want the new heavens, and the new earth, they want his justice, yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, but I think that the criticism that I receive also fits with kingdom theology, which I've been teaching on for some time now, and I think yeah. we're, is really lacking in Christian circles. Yes. And that's this idea that we, as a body of Christ, can bring about greater truth, greater justice. We should be soliciting uh, governments and people to do what is right. We should be fighting against the corruption in our, in our systems. Yeah. We should be exposing those things. We should be trying to bring the righteousness of Christ to bear in all areas of life. We want the rule and reign of Jesus manifest, right? For sure. Through us and in us. And that involves not just our lives of piety and faith, but also what we do in the public square. Yeah. And, and what we vote about and what we talk about. And yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, uh, I think he, he has a valid criticism and I think it's the the rapture crowd that is like, Oh, it's all going to burn. We just need to get out of here. I don't need to invest. Right. I don't need to to, to alter systems. Yeah, yeah. That's too big a project because it's all going to be over any second now. Yeah. And I say, oh, well, it could be. It could also be
0: 10,000 years. Yeah, sure. Right. That's right. That's right. Fortunately, I think the concept of the rapture is dying out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fairly uniquely American. And then where American missionaries imported it into other nations, the first generation or so of Christians in other uh, uh-huh believed in the rapture, but then it dies out pretty quickly. And even in the United States now, it's dying out as well, which I'm glad for.
1: That's interesting. I, I, you know, I was in Lynchburg before I was here. Yeah, and that's uh, Liberty. Sure, Liberty and, University. Yeah, yeah, their ice center is named the LaHaye Ice Center, named uh-huh. after Tim LaHaye. Uh huh. And there are still many, many people who are holding to a, a rapture. So.
0: Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not saying that it's dead. I'm saying that it no. is dying. No, I was just saying that that's good
1: to hear because in
0: my context it was not the case. It seemed like you, I was you didn't recognize that. Yeah. When, so I was uh, when I was at Dallas Seminary in the late '90s. Um, so the rapture is part of a larger theological system called dispensationalism, uh, that maybe we can talk about sometime. Yeah, that,
1: that we can put that in the hopper.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um but uh Liberty University is a is a great place if you are a dispensationalist to go and study that school of thought. But I I would argue that even better than Liberty is Dallas Seminary. Right. Um where really uh dispensationalism was a big, big deal mm-hmm. and still is. Uh when when I was there in the late '90s as a student, I, dis- I and I was a dispensationalist. Um, I discovered that um, so many of the faculty members could not sign the doctrinal statement anymore. Very very few of them. Hmm. And in fact, what they would do, uh, which was a dispensationalist statement, and so what the, what the president would do is he would say, okay, so he would call in a, a faculty member and say, so which you know you got to sign this statement every year. And, okay, so they would say, okay, so mark out which lines you, you can't sign. And they would mark out the, the lines. And, okay, can you sign it now? Well, yeah, I can sign it now, now that half of it's been marked out. Yeah. And so they say, okay, fine, then sign it. And so he would sign it, and there it is. And so none of the um, New Testament faculty could sign the doctrinal statement. None mm-hmm. of the systematic theology department could, could sign it. And, so, and the historical department, none of them. Uh, there were some that did, yeah. um, but it's very, very few. And uh, like a line uh, item veto that he exactly yeah. it's exactly what they were doing uh-huh. and that's the place where dispensationalism is probably you know taught the clearest, although there are many other places as well uh-huh. but the you know when it, when you start leaving it there, I remember one of my professors uh a New Testament professor saying um about dispensationalism, and I guess we're getting into it a little bit here, but um dispensationalism teaches that there are seven dispensations of the world um And so then they organize the history of the world and they see it in scripture into dispensations rather than into covenants the way that you and I would. Mm -hmm. And that like almost all Christians everywhere would divide it into covenants, the covenant uh, with Abraham, the covenant with David, the covenant, anyway. Um, And so uh, one of my professors said, if the cross of Jesus is one of seven turning points in history... Uh, if that's what it means to be a dispensationalist, then he said, I am not a dispensationalist. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a phenomenally controversial statement for him to make in a class, but he did. And he said, maybe that means I'm not a dispensationalist. And and uh, so then there was, I remember kind of debating with uh, students afterwards, is he a dispensationalist or is he not? And here he is yeah. teaching at Dallas Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, everything before the cross of Jesus looks toward the cross and everything afterwards looks back to it. And he said, "It is the turning point in history, and it's not one of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is saved the same way. So, um, and that's uh, yeah, it's it's unique.
1: Yeah, I think uh, let's let's kick that into the hopper. Okay, I, yeah, I let's s- do that because there's a whole progressive movement in dispensationalism. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, let me wrap this up with sure. Uh, and I was teaching on John six, okay, In a Bible study once. Yeah, and in John six, Jesus is talking about that he, that he's going to return. Mm-hmm. He's going to raise up. Believers on the last day, yeah. right? He's going to yeah. raise them up on the last day, and we were talking about going through the the that passage and what Jesus was teaching, and somebody said to me, uh, "Pastor, where is the rapture in this?" Yes, and I said, "Interesting question. You would have to insert it. Yeah, because it's not here. It's not here. Yeah, it's not here. And and I I think what I what I'd want to leave people with is the emphasis that yes. There is an end. It's real. Yes. God will fix everything. Yes. All that is broken will be unbroken. Yes. Um, there is a judgment. Yes. And uh, there is a separation. Yes. You know of God's people and those who have who have refused the gospel. Yeah. Um, all of that is true. Yeah. And that is something to look forward to and to hope in. And the Bible tells us to do that. The glory that's yet to be revealed, our hope of glory. Yeah. Um, and yet the emphasis is on endurance, Yes, walking in yes. the brokenness of this world by yes. faith, Yes, um, keeping the lamp in your oil, being ready, staying awake, but knowing that it's, you're going to be waiting into the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's the emphasis, and that's what I want to encourage any Christian who's listening now, Good. is to not focus so much on when's this all going to be over, but what is God calling me mm. to do now? Mm-hmm. How can I be faithful to Him, and what does that look like? that I can by faith endure, that yeah. I can persevere, that I can use my talents, that I can use my gifts, that I can, I can be a citizen and a builder of the kingdom of God, yeah. that there is continuity yeah. between what we do here and that new age to come. And so we need to be people who, who are focused on that.
0: Absolutely. I can't yeah. say it any better than that. That's good. Good, good conversation. listening to the hopper
1: podcast you made it to the end of this week's episode congratulations tell your friends you finally made it through one whole episode
0: finally to claim your prize write to us at the hopper at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287 join us next time when we will discuss what's wrong with kids these days you will discuss that i already know. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper podcast is sponsored this week by Slobs Are Us. Willie is the founder. I am indeed. I'm very proud of what
1: yes. the work that we're doing. Yes. You are doing wonderful work. <laughs>